Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Good morning, fellas. Welcome to Man Challenge Winter Cookout. Winter Cookout? Winter Kickoff. Come on in and grab a seat. We're excited to get rolling here this morning. Feels like this thing's not on, but I'm going to keep talking. Winter Cookout. Get your hot dog. Come on in. Have a seat. Hey, listen, my name's Ronnie Cordray. I get to serve on our men's staff here at Southeast, and it's my privilege to serve alongside of you guys. Any brand new guys, first-time guys in the house this morning? Hey, yeah, awesome, man. If you saw a guy raise his hand, high-five that guy. Listen, you are welcome here. We're all welcome here, but one of our things is there's no perfect dudes allowed here. We focus on progress, not perfection, and so you're in good company. I know sometimes when you're new, you walk into something and feels like you don't know the secret handshake. There's no secret handshake. We're all a bunch of dudes trying to figure it out together. And ironically, when we link arms together, we're stronger together. And we get to figure things out better than on our own. So here at Southeast, our men's ministry, we are trying, we are striving to create a disciple-making culture by connecting men to Jesus and one another, one man at a time. Like, that's our ultimate why. And here at Man Challenge, this is a tool that we're trying to use to do that. We have one of the values that I want to focus on this morning is developing intentional, authentic male relationships. Because like I shared a moment ago, we're stronger together. You know, I watched a video a few years ago of of a scene in Africa where a, a lion... Uh, just took out this, uh, I don't know, llama or something that was not a lion. You know, lions love, they cannot get enough of llamas, apparently, over in Africa. And, but the video was, I mean, it was awesome, unless you're the llama thing. It was this whole herd uh, of, of that species of animals the lion did not go after the herd. It went after the one that had, you know, like the lost sheep, the one that was off alone, and that's when the lion pounced on him. And it's a, it's, it's a, I say it's a beautiful picture. It's not a beautiful picture, but it's a real picture of how the, the enemy uh, approaches us. First Peter 5, 8 and 9, it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. It says like because he's a poser. He's not a real lion. He's not the lion of Judah. He poses around like a lion, and it says he's looking for someone new to devour. That's every one of us. The fact that you just walked in here this morning puts a target on your back for the enemy to try to devour. Now, if I asked you, uh, how many of you think if I put you up here on this stage and gave you 10, 15 feet to come after uh, me, how many of you think you could take out this ankle biter if I stood straight up like this? How many of you think? Man, some of you are like, I've been waiting 10 years for you to ask me that. 
knucklehead. I have a, man, if I was you, I'd be like, dude, I'll do it on my knees, right? Because in isolation, it doesn't matter if you're me or Eric Wood or whoever you are, alone in isolation, the devil can devour us quite easily and quite quickly. But on the other hand, if I pulled Chris Morgan next to me and Chris Burke and Sam Reeder and some guys that are close to me and, and we linked arms and I said, now how many of you think you could knock me out? Now, granted, we're not God, but I'll tell you right now, you're not knocking me down when I'm linking arms. It's an isolation. And so, guys, uh, whether you've been coming here for a while or brand new, man, link arms. One of the best things I can tell you, whether you're new or returning, is link arms, not just sitting here. This is why we sit in circles, not in rows. It's not just because. It's because, because you know, Howard Hendricks was right when he said we can, we can impress men from a distance when we have Heisman friendships, but we can only influence and be influenced from up close, from Lincoln Arms. And so if you want to, to hear a few best practices on how you can maximize, not just this morning, but this whole semester, I encourage you, um, and drop your cards down from your chest. Um, at work, that might, that might be played against you, but in this environment, uh, God's math is just different. And we're stronger together. We all need encouragement and accountability to grow. And that only can truly happen at maximum levels if, if we become fully known by a few dudes. So best practice number one, be vulnerable, be transparent. Second one is that, you know, we're not going for man challenge, perfect attendance badges. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard um, to get smarter if you skip class. It's hard to get stronger when you miss workouts right? It's hard to know the plays if you skip practice. Um, every Thursday morning, like Thursday morning is not the win. Because uh, mentor of mine years ago said, man, we're all educated beyond our own level of obedience, right? For most of us, we don't need more knowledge. Um, we need to be obedient with what we know. And so put a wall, put a wall around Thursday mornings. If you're in town, be here. Don't, don't decide whether, you know, the game on Wednesday night went into overtime or whether you're there or what, like, put a wall and say, man, I'm, Thursday mornings, I'm going to be here and I'm going to lean in. And then the third best practice I would tell you is um, if you look around this morning and any dude, if he covered his name tag, you're like, hey, chief, right? If you don't know him, um, man, connect with him this, the next four to six weeks outside of this environment. I promise you it'll make when we gather, more fruitful when you know the dudes who you're linking arms with, all right? So that's just a few things, but man, we're so thrilled you're here. Um, I love breaks, and I think breaks are good, but man, this always feels like too long of a break from Thanksgiving to now, but we're so thrilled to be kicking back off, and we're jumping into Scripture here this morning, and this morning we are blessed to hear, to be taught by uh, one of my good friends and teammates, Chris Morgan. Let's bring him out here and give him a welcome. Hey, so Chris, back in 1998, you moved to Denton, Texas, Texas. For, for a year to be discipled by a guy named Tommy Nelson. Um, tell us just a, just a little bit about why you moved out there and what that looked like. Well, I gave my life to Christ my senior year in college, and uh, I realized that I, I loved the Lord, um, but I also loved athletics too. 
And um, I wanted to do some type of ministry um, that involved athletics um, and talk about Jesus, but I really didn't know anything, I didn't know anything about that book. And um, I called, called him up, and I'd love to, to be discipled by you and spend some time with you. And basically what he did is he rattled my cage. He, um, he taught me that ministry is not standing behind a, a pulpit or even opening your Bible for that. It's about serving and deserving the right to be heard and doing life with people. So that's, I wanted to do that. I wanted mm. to know what ministry was like. Well, I've been blessed to be close to this guy, and he has an incredible gift of teaching. But just so you guys know, we vet every guy that we put up here to teach to make sure uh, they're, not, they're not a gifted teacher that's a poser at home or poser outside of this room. And so I got to talk uh, to your former mentor, disciple, disciple guy, um, disciple maker, Tommy Nelson, two nights ago. Yeah. Uh, I kind of was thrown off because I had his home number and I called and was waiting to leave a message and then he answered. I was like, whoa, people don't answer the phone. And, and I asked him, I said, hey, uh, I said, I said, my buddy's teaching Thursday and Saturday, and I said, I, I just have a couple questions for you. Guys, I'm telling you, it was like he had a PowerPoint presentation, and it's been since 98 since he discipled this guy, and I asked him two questions. I said, man, what's your favorite thing uh, about Chris Morgan, and how, how have you seen Jesus' reflection through him? And this is what he said, man. He said, he said Chris had, has an athlete mind mindset. He's goal-oriented. He's disciplined. He's tough. He can make, he can take life's jolts. He makes hard decisions. He broke up with his girlfriend uh, back then because he knew she wasn't who God wanted him with, wasn't God's best for him. He's loyal. I watched him be a loyal son to his parents. His values are ironclad. Uh, Never a self-serving attitude in him. He does what he thinks is faithful regardless of the outcome. He's focused on discipleship. And then he said this. This is a t-shirt waiting to be made. He said, this, being a disciple maker doesn't make you famous. It makes you fruitful. And he said, I couldn't ask for more in a man than Chris. He said, tell him I love him and to hold the compass. Mm. And man, you've been doing that. And so I praise God for you. Let me pray and we'll jump right in. God, so grateful that you are our compass. Lord, you're always north. Um, even when we're, we're off-center. Lord, I thank you for this man, and I thank you that this morning's teaching for him is out of the overflow of his heart, of not just preparing this week, but through pursuing you as Lord since 98 and being committed to being a disciple-maker. I thank you that we get to learn under... Um, under Chris's teaching this morning, and I pray that you use him to tee up conversations that every one of us need to unpack. And then during our, our team time, Lord, I pray for courage for every man to, to lean in and to unpack, to be honest, to be transparent, to be vulnerable in ways that allow you to lead us into complete freedom and to lead us out of here, better equipped to be men of action that honor you. So we give you praise for this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris Amen. Morgan, everybody. Thanks, Ronnie. Man, I thought, I thought sure that Ronnie was going to, um, to kind of say what my wife said or what was my favorite food or something. That, that, that right there caught me off guard. Um, that, that got me. Um, so excited about the start of a new semester. I know he just said it a minute ago. Breaks are fantastic. They are much needed. But it's good to have everybody back. I'm better we are better 
when we are here with our faces in the Bible. I know that. It's a joy for us, for me, to be part of us living out what it says in 2 Timothy uh, 3.18. It's going to come on the screen. Together that we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That together we all grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You never just wing a series, okay? The first speaker kind of always has to kind of set the stage for the, the, the semester, okay? So you never just kind of wing it. We get together, there's five of us that get together, and we kind of talk about it, and then there's really two of us that kind of take that, what we talked about, and we kind of drill in. And, and we kind of look at this text from the eyes of what our people, us, need to all hear and see. The first five weeks, we as a church, Southeast Christian Church, what we're all going to do is we are going to look through something called one of our mantras, wreck the roof. So every group is going to be looking specifically on this. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that word wreck, and what we're going to do is make it an acronym out of it. Okay, and each week we're going to look at something different. And our hope and our desire is that we will be God willing to take risks, Risk to find innovative ways to bring people to Jesus. Innovative ways to bring people to Jesus one at a time. And we're going to look at five different messages. Watch for opportunities. Remove obstacles. Embrace the mess. Um, a call for help. And also to encourage everyone to keep our focus on Christ. And then the last nine weeks, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Genesis 37 through 50, and we're going to chew that up, and it's going to be a rich time, okay? I don't know how many of you have ever been on a mission trip. Show of hands, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Oh, several of you guys, okay? Whether that is uh, um, uh, overseas or whether that's here, I, I've, I've had a chance to be at, um, in Africa and Kenya. I've been to Guatemala and Nicaragua. Dominican Republic, but I've also been to New Orleans for hurricane relief. Also been to places here in the States for um, tornado relief. Whether it's been Eastern Kentucky, whether it's been Western Kentucky, we have been able to serve. There's something about missions and going and telling the lost about Jesus. There's something about that. However, I want us to realize something. The word missionary is never mentioned in the Bible. That word is never mentioned in the Bible. Robert Coleman, author, preacher, here's what he says. He says, there is no gap between a call to follow Christ and to engage in the Great Commission. That the moment we become a Christian, immediately we should be focused on a calling that is called the Great Commission. Immediately, we will see that in this text this morning, that Philip is going to be open to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is going to lead him to have conversations with people. And something fantastic is going to happen, not just for the receiver, but the one that is given the message as well. Both will be encouraged. Both will be challenged. And one person, being God, will be lifted up. And it's a fantastic text. You never run out of material. You only run out of time, man. And I'm on the clock right now, and I'm excited about getting in this text. 
So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 28. If you don't have it, it's going to come up on the screen. And what we're going to do is we're going to chew this thing up together. Here's what it says. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It's pretty specific. Get up and go. It's a very specific request until you start to think it through. First of all, there's, don't, don't, don't confuse Philip the disciple with Philip right here that we're reading. They're two total different guys. Philip walked with God. He's a disciple of Christ. This Philip that we're looking at today um, he is a deacon. He's a layman, though. He's just like, like us. Okay, and he, he's going to give him a, a specific thing to get up and go towards the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, okay? Now, Jerusalem to Gaza is 65 miles. Now, let me tell you what they didn't have. They didn't have Delta. They didn't have Southwest. They didn't have Uber. They didn't have all those things. So Philip now has a task of going from here to, um, give or take a couple miles, to Richmond, EKU. Walking on a camel. It changes that, that demand a little bit, that request a little bit more now because you're walking, you're hoofing it, okay? Not only that, it, this is a Philistine city. This is a rival city. So he's going into a place that he really doesn't want to go. But he's been challenged and he's been commanded by God to do this. Notice what God doesn't do. He doesn't ask him for his opinion. His opinions and his feelings are totally thrown out of it. Why? Because God has asked him to do. And notice what else it says at the very end of that verse. It says that it is a desert place. Now, if we had the time, I would go back and look at a little bit in, in 8, 1 through 25, and tell you what Philip was at. Philip was at a great spot. He was doing God's work. But then just like that, God is asking him to go to a desert place. What did Philip do wrong to go from something really, really good and really, really prosperous to desert? Answer, nothing. He did nothing wrong. And now he catches himself in a city that he doesn't want to be. He's inconvenienced by walking. Uh, he doesn't really like or know much about the people that are there. Only that God told him to do it. Sometimes following, often, being obedient to God will get us out of our comfort zone. Because it's not about him. It's about God. Let's look at 27. 27 says this. And he arose. He rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Philip was obedient to what God asked him to do. First time. As, as a parent, we would call that first-time obedience. Man, it is a blessing 
when you tell your children to, I need you to do this, and they do it on the first time, Philip listens to God, and he is going to have an encounter. Not just an encounter, but a divine appointment by God with a very prominent, a very powerful dude, but a man that was searching for something. He had a lot, but he was searching for something. Sounds a little bit like in John 3 and Nicodemus. Sounds a whole lot about if somebody came up here and shared your story, all of us that have been walking with Christ realize that we come to know who Jesus was probably in the valleys of our life when we were searching for something. This man, this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this is a powerful text, and I really don't have all the time to unpack this, but the importance of this message is this is important because it's a transition from the gospel going just to the Jew to now it's also going to the Gentile. That is a big thing. The Jews were God's chosen people. But the gospel message was not just for them. And what it's going to do is this is going to be like an archway or arch to the Gentile, to the non-Jew, which is most of us in here, if not all of us. It's a very, very important text because what it's doing is it's living out Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, and to the outer ends of the world. The gospel is going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the outskirts of the world. And we're seeing it right here. An Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopia, that's a great distance. That's a great distance from where Jerusalem is. This Ethiopian eunuch traveled 1,500 miles. He's an Ethiopian. He comes from a far distance. So basically what this is, is this is living out what Acts 1-8 is. They're coming from the outermost parts, and they're coming to Jerusalem. This Ethiopian person wants to hear and see about this man named Jesus. He's an Ethiopian, comes from a far distance, and it says that he's a eunuch. Now, a eunuch, I don't know how many of y'all know what a eunuch is, but he's emasculated, he's castrated. He worked in the, the, um, the court of the queen. If you don't have what we're talking about here, you're not a threat to the queen. So to take all of the possibilities that could happen with a man and a woman, they're going to throw that out. You know why? Because they're going to take care of your stuff. This man came from a long, he comes from a long place a far-off place, but he's also a eunuch. He has power being in this court official place. But in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that a eunuch could not even go into the temple. So not only is he leaving that, he's going with the understanding that he may not even get in the place. But he wants to see. You know why? Because he's searching for something. And no, we're not from Ethiopia. You're probably not a eunuch, but you may be searching. Look at 28. Seated in his chariot, this eunuch is seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet 
Isaiah. Prominent position, prominent person. He came to worship. He's curious about God. The truth of the matter is, if he wanted a little bit about and know about religion, he would have stayed in Ethiopia. He realized that religion wasn't cutting it. He was hearing about this man named Jesus that wanted to have a relationship with people, do life with people. And he left Ethiopia 1,500 miles to come with the understanding and hope that he could understand about Jesus. So he's curious. And he has his Bible open to Isaiah. And so God, so God, in his infinite wisdom, will send a certain man to a certain place at a certain time to talk to another certain man in a certain carriage looking at a certain verse. Wow, that is God. That's not just a coincidence. That is an ordained picture of what Christ can do to any person who is willing to know about him and what we're going to see in just a minute, a person that wants to share about him. Both of these intersections are going to meet together. So the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, is reading the book of Isaiah. Look at 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. The phrase the Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, is mentioned 56 times in the book of Acts. 56 times it says the Holy Spirit spoke. Now guys, the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not like um, Star Wars, okay? The Holy, Spirit, it, the Holy Spirit of God is a person. That's part of the Trinity. We get the Trinity sometimes really confused because it's, we think that the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. And there's nothing wrong with the Bible. That's God's Word. That is a, a fantastic, incredible tool. But the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That there is a person, a God, that lives inside of us. And sometimes that's hard to understand. But the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Here's where we must be very discerning when the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. How do we discern, how do we discern if it's really what God wants or the chili that we ate last night. Because God's, word, God's voice of the Holy Spirit will never contradict his word. That's why it's so important to know God's word. The Holy Spirit lives within us. He speaks to our hearts. And here's what he's going to do. He is going to invite Philip to be part of something fantastic with this Ethiopian eunuch. He's going to invite him because he says, go over and join his chariot. He invites him. One of the first phrases I learned when I was a Christian was from Henry Blackaby. And his quote is saying this, to see where God is at work and go and follow him. As a believer, we want to see 
where God is at work and go and be part of what he is doing. Not what we're doing, what he is doing. Go over and join. This is the Great Commission. We are seeing this happen. We're seeing this unfold right now. The Great Commission, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here it is. I am with you until the very end of the world. I am with you. This is not on our own that God is initiating this and God is assuring Philip, I'm going to be with you. Go over and join. Now, I'm sure Philip in his mind has this thing. What am I going to say? That may be like some of us in here. Okay, I feel like God wants me to go over and say something to this person. What do I say? And I think it's very key of what is in here. The Spirit says to go over and join his chariot. That word join, join in the Greek is the word kola, kola, which means to join like glue or to stick. So really what God wants Philip to do is go over and just stick, stick with folks and do life. I think we really make this thing more complicated than what it is. This whole witnessing thing. He's telling Philip to just go over and join, be part, stick with this guy. I love being in places and spaces that allow me to do life with non-believers. I absolutely love it. I'm wise on this, though, now. Now, if you feel like, hey, man, I think our next table meeting we're going to have at strip club, that's not what I'm saying. That wouldn't be wise. But I'll tell you what I do love to do. I love going to the gym and working out. Some of y'all, I know you love to go on the court and you love to play basketball. Some of y'all at your, your jobs, you can eat lunch with, with someone that is a non-believer. I love to do life with non-believers. You know why? Because I get to share. I get to join. I get to stick. I get to cola with them. How will they know if we do not do life with them? I heard a quote the other day, and it saddened me, honestly. It says, Christians don't share their faith after two years of conversion because they no longer know any non-believers. That's not right. If we really want to unleash the full force of the church, we have to love people right where they are. And as we love them, they see something different in us. Philip is going, and he's joining the chariot, okay? Look at 30. So he's commanded to go over. He's invited to go over and join. But look at 30. What does Philip do? So Philip ran. He ran to him. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? So he runs up to the chariot. My man's reading Isaiah. He's just, he wants to join and stick and collide with this guy. So he's sitting and he's hearing the reading of Isaiah. And he just asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? I'm sure it was in a humble way. It's not an arrogant, proud way. He wants to know what he knows, and he wants to know about his life, secondary maybe to even sharing. 
This guy's not a, he's not a, um, a case study. This guy, he wants to do life with. God has led him a long way to meet this guy. And so do you understand what you're reading? He's engaging in conversation. He's not starting it off with controversy. Where you been the last 15 years of your life? What do you mean you don't know this? What do you mean you don't know? You understand what you're reading? The Spirit opens the door. It's not the person knocking it down. The Spirit opens the conversation. The Spirit opens the heart of any of us. What does he say in 31? The eunuch speaks. Here's what he says. The Ethiopian eunuch says, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. He basically says, no one I know can help me with this. No one I know can help me with this. No one in Ethiopia can give me what I'm looking for. That's why I went 1,500 miles to look. No one. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Money, title, um, but still can't understand the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Now, I don't know, I was really hesitant in showing this video because I don't know this guy. I, I can hear what he says, I can watch what he says, but this is a prominent person with a lot of money, with a lot of influence, with an incredible gift, but you can, you can sense this in this interview that he's missing, he's searching. Let's play this clip. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. And different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. Man, Matt, I don't know him. I don't know him other than what ESPN or somebody tells us. But my heart cringes when he says there's gotta be something else more to this life. And the reporter says, what do you think it is? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew. Matthew 16, 26, it says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? That's, this, this point is not about Tom Brady. This point is about all of us. The people that we are in contact with on a daily basis. What be it a man, what profit a man if he gains everything but he forfeits his soul? Can God open the eyes of anyone? Answer, yes. Anyone. 
God is going to use Philip as an instrument. God can use Philip. God can use Jordan. God can use Terrence. God can use Dan. God can use Connor. God can use any one of us if we will open our hearts to him. God, so God is glorified in the convert and the flawed instrument sharing the gospel at the same time. That, to me, is amazing. You know, there's a time for what's going to happen down on a Sunday. It's going to happen tonight on a Thursday. There, there's, a, there's, there's a good need for that. That on a Thursday and a Sunday morning, it's going to be packed in there, just like it's going to be packed at Northeast, just like it's going to be attended, well attended throughout the country. There's a time and a place for that. But there's also something for a man that's going to walk from here to Richmond to share with one dude. That's what it means by one at a time. That's what it means about being open to where the Spirit leads. Look at 32. I only got a couple more minutes. Verse 32, it says, now here's the passage that he was talking about. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading is from Isaiah 53, but here's what it says in this text in Acts 8. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens, not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was um, denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? This, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. And then he asked a question to Philip. Who? Who is this? Who is this person that is saying this? What is this about? This is a pure, honest confession from the Ethiopian eunuch. He understands what he does not know. Man, I, I love when I'm talking to a non-believer and they understand that they don't, what they don't know. That's a, that's, a, that's a pure, innocent confession. I love it when I meet with somebody for the first time and they say, you know, I, you gave me a Bible, you told me to read, I, I opened it up. And I, Chris, I, I read this week on the book of Job. And man, I just read the book of Job and man, the book of Job was awesome. And, and I didn't say, hey, dummy, it's not Job, it's Job. I didn't say that. I, I, I let him fumble through that. And here's what, then what I said, you know, hey, yeah, man, I've read the book of Job before, man. It's an awesome deal, man. It's not a pointing of the finger. If somebody grabs their Bible for the first time and, and, and they don't know where Ecclesiastes is, I gently look over and say, hey, man, look, go to that table of contents. Look at that table of contents. You find Ecclesiastes, and there's going to come a day in time as you, as we continue to grow, you're going to know what the book of Ecclesiastes is. He asks a very elementary question. And guess what? For a believer, for Philip that walked or rode his camel, whatever he did, for 65 miles, guess what it is now? It's game time for a believer. 
It's game time for a believer. It's, it's running through the tunnel. It's, it's, it's being introduced to go out onto the court. What must he do? Look at verse 35. Then Philip, Philip opened his mouth. Man, stop right there. He spoke. He spoke. If someone is going to hear the message, guess what believers have to do? We have to speak. We have to boldly stand up and share. That we speak the truth even when our voice starts to shake. I've been a believer since 1996. And do I get nervous when I'm sharing my faith? Every single time. When I came out of here before I came out here today, I'm nervous. Because I want to share about Jesus in such a way that people understand when they leave, they know more about him. It's not about me. Lord, please use me. Do I get nervous? Yes. He speaks and he shares. Guess what he doesn't share? He doesn't share the five points of Calvinism. Guess what he doesn't share? He doesn't talk about post-millennial and amillennial. He, he, he's, not, he's not going there. He, 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 he doesn't talk about um, systematic theology. There may be a day and time for that. God willing, I hope. What does he talk about? He shared Christ. Look at verse 35 again. He opened his mouth and began with Scripture, told him the good news of Jesus, that God sending his son, and he lived a perfect life, and he died a perfect death, and they put him in the ground, and three days later, he got up and he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven, and he prepared us a place in heaven, and the 12 people that he poured his life into scattered and told other people about other people and about other people and to other people and to other people and to other people. And guess what? It's still happening today. It's not the power of Calvinism. It's not the power of all these other things. It's the power of Christ. May we lift up Jesus and talk about him. He shared Jesus. Romans 3.23 there. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is, is through life with him. That Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10, it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And it doesn't get any better than that. That's the gospel. Verse 36 and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here is some water, exclamation point. Here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Who initiates this conversation? The Ethiopian eunuch does. It's not Philip manipulating it. They're not singing a, all kinds of songs. Philip doesn't 
look at him and say, um, bow your head and close your eyes. Repeat this prayer after me. Surely there's somebody in here today. No, he didn't say that. The Ethiopian eunuch says, wait, there's some water. What prevents me? What prevents me from doing this? The answer, nothing. Nothing prevents. Verse 38, and he, the Ethiopian eunuch, commanded the chariot to stop. Man, you can't miss this, man. There's no trickery. I'm not trying to talk you into something. Because if I talk you into something, somebody can talk you out of it. I'm not doing that. He shares Jesus in his life. In the Ethiopian, there's something that's like, it says, Eureka! <laughs> A light bulb goes off and he says, hey man, that's good stuff. That's amazing. What's preventing me from being baptized? Nothing. Stop! Stop! There's water. So they both went down into the water, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and he baptized him. This was an individual decision, and it wasn't easy. This wasn't their parents' decision. This was the Ethiopian eunuch's decision. And at this moment, he understood his need for Jesus. You see, in Ethiopia, he had all that religion. No, it was, it was empty. He wanted a relationship. And when Philip shared the truth with him, when Philip was obedient to what God had him to do, that he stepped out on faith and he shared the good message of Jesus, this Ethiopian eunuch realized what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus. We're born in sin and iniquity. But this guy realized that. And he wanted a change. Look at verse 38. I'm sorry, 39. And when he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more, went on his way rejoicing. I'm a minute over my time already. But this eunuch lives life differently. It says that he walked away, he went on his way rejoicing. It says that the Ethiopian eunuch, it, it stated that he, he actually started the church in Africa. They can trace that back to Philip. This man's life was different. He comes out of the water. The Ethiopian eunuch realizes that Philip is gone. Okay, why is this here? Because when you understand our need for Jesus, Philip's going somewhere else. The Ethiopian eunuch's going somewhere else. But they're both talking about the same message. I gave my life to Christ, 1996, grew up in a, in a Christian home. I knew those little Bible stories. I went to um, Campbellsville University, and I remember this, this guy came in, this Baptist preacher, and he shared the gospel that I had already heard many times. But Eureka, went off, God opened my heart. And I remember Steve Ayers looking at me and sharing the gospel with me, this country preacher. Kid you not, here's what he did. He shared the gospel with me, and I understood it. And yes, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. 
And he talked with me, and I received Christ into my heart. It was my prompting. I looked out for that. I wanted that. What you have, I want. He shared with me. He talked with me. God used him to lead me to Christ. And then he reached in his back pocket. He pulled out a dip, put that dip in his mouth. That's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Praise God. And I was like, are you kidding me? And Steve Ayers is talking about Jesus. And Chris Morgan gets to talk about Jesus. The convert and the one sharing the message both glorify God in it. Maybe you're Philip in here. Maybe you're praying for opportunities. I pray just that you just open up your eyes and ask God for opportunities to share with people right in your sphere of influence, right where you're at. Maybe someone here may be the Ethiopian eunuch. And maybe you're looking at Scripture and you're like, I don't have that. And I want that. I challenge you to talk to your table leader. I challenge you to talk to one of us. There's plenty of people that if you want that, Man, I'm telling you what, you run through Terrence, you run through Burke, you run through Woods, you run through that wall. Get to know Christ and the love that he has for each of us. Let me close this up in prayer. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for dying on the cross for a sinner like me. God, I pray for the table time today. I pray for conversation. I pray um, for the person that is sharing their faith and the person that is hearing about the faith, that both will bring glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.